Twisted listeners. Today, we are so excited to have Lauren Greener with us. Um, She is one of my LinkedIn buddies, for sure. Um, And she is a great support system for teachers that are transitioning out of education. But Lauren, first, we're going to start with like what led you to education itself to start with. So welcome. 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 Nice to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. This is so exciting. I'm kind of fangirling a little bit. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I just, I love teaching podcasts. I listen to probably way too many of them. Um, but, um, so my journey into education, I, I don't, I was never like one of those little girls that I remember like playing teacher a lot or anything like that. But for, but for whatever reason, I just knew somehow. And I think a lot of that came through my love of music. I always had amazing music teachers, like amazing music teachers, the elementary level, um, middle school, high school. And in fact, I wanted to be my high school music teacher so much. So, I mean, I adored her and anyone who's ever met her adores her. Like, I don't think anyone's ever said a bad word about that woman in her life. Um, And I've actually posted about her on LinkedIn because she's just such an inspiration to me. But I just got it in my head in high school. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to be her. So um, it wasn't even so much about the teaching itself. It was, I want to be a choir director. Like, cause mm-hmm. I wanted mm-hmm. to be yeah. a musician and I wanted to, you know, like that just seemed like the practical way to pursue music. And, okay. and so I really, I just, I really wanted to do that. And so that's what I did. I got a music scholarship to CM Houston State University. Wow. Um, I sang a lot of opera <laughs> so much wow. that I blew my voice out my freshman year of college. Oh no. And yeah, that what does was that mean problem. exactly when you blow your voice out? I got vocal notes and I just literally like couldn't like my voice, the way I speak right now is even lower than it used to be. Like my voice is just kind of progressively <laughs> lowered. Um and I get like I have the raspiness to my voice. Um, that I've always had, but it's just gotten more, increasingly more raspy uh, throughout my life since I got notes. But um, mm. it was pretty much like have this really expensive surgery that may or may not work or change majors. And I had the immense privilege of learning Spanish at a fairly young age. And so I, and just really loving Spanish. So I was just kind of like, well, it's going to be a choir director. I guess I can just be a Spanish teacher. <laughs> so that's pretty much, and I adored my high school Spanish teacher too. So then I just decided I would be her. And what's really funny is I kind of did become her a little bit because she also was a a, a cheerleading coach. <laughs> and my first teaching job about a year in, mm-hmm. I my principal came And she sat down on my desk and was like this close to my face and said, I really need you to be the assistant to your coach. And I tried to say no. And it doesn't work so well. (laughs) No, I said no several times until I got broken down and agreed Mm. to do it. And it was funny, though, because as much as I thought that sounded like a lot of work and it was, um, 
my next thought was, I have to tell Senora Ward. <laughs> so I emailed her and I said, I've literally become you now. Like I, <laughs> I teach all the classes you taught and now I'm going to coach cheer. Like, and we ended up having lunch because of that email I sent and it was just lovely. So oh, that's nice. That's really nice. I know I'm long-winded, but basically the long it's a podcast, we want to hear your story. <laughs> <laughs> the long and short of it is I had amazing teachers that I really loved and I just wanted to be like them. I the, I wanted to do for kids what they did for me. And right. um and they, you know, like gave me all kinds of encouragement and just made me feel like I was special and that I had special gifts and a, and and a unique voice and perspective to share with the world and I like that was what drove me through my whole teaching career. Like on the really hard, bad days, I was like, it's okay. Just channel your inner, you know, Miss mm-hmm. Neighbors, my choir director, or channel your inner Senora Ward. Like, and that's what I would do. And um, I just would remember, I know like teachers roll their eyes every time someone says like, remember your why. That's become <laughs> such a cliche, like what kind of phrase, yeah. but, it, but it's true. Like I just remember, I would remember like, what got me so excited about this? And it was my teachers. And then obviously something must have changed at some point or maybe not. What made you decide to leave education? So oddly enough, I decided back in 2017 that I wanted to transition. That was after I taught for about seven years. Okay. And really that was more of like a, I was in a really tough spot in my personal life and I was trying to make a plan to change that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was going to require leaving my marriage and becoming a single mom. So that was really kind of what drove me initially was like, I just want to have an ability to provide for my son a little better. Yeah, uh, a little more financial security than being a teacher provides. Right. So anyway, I, I decided then um, in 2017 that I would start looking as a means to pull myself mm-hmm. out of the situation. And um, it turned out that, well, back in 2017, there were not near the resources there are now. So that was no thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I was completely lost. And I didn't know anyone in my personal life that had made that transition or that could give, well, that's not true. I knew a couple of people that had, but I was even from them, I like didn't have any concrete advice Mm -hmm. and, um, I was just really struggling. So I kind of did what a lot of teachers do and tried to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. sticks. Yep. Um, approach did not work out for me. I applied for a solid, like three months and I had like my aunt, the HRVP um, of a major company at the time, look over my resume and like, I felt confident and I was like, I'm bilingual. This shouldn't be too terribly right. difficult. It was. And uh, I looked for about three months and didn't have a single interview and just told myself, I'm going to give myself until this date because I had no other recourse. I was a single mom at that point. So right. it was like, what else am I going to do? Um, right. So, and could you break your contract or were you trying to get like a, a beginning of the school year, new job start date? Yeah. So I had started looking like in the early spring. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that I could transition like during the summer or yeah. And, yeah. and not, not break my contract. Had you told anybody at that point that you were looking? No, no. I kept so, it okay. under wraps. Okay, good. Well, because if I, if I told them why, like if I told them that I was looking, they'd want to know why. And I just wasn't wanting to go through all of that. Yeah. <laughs> the way that you're treated does change in some instances if they know that you're going to leave. So yes, I can uh, talk more on that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did experience that um, when I did officially transition, but my, so in the first go around though, I just, after three months of nothing, um, I gave myself a hard and fast deadline. That deadline came. I still had not had even one interview wow. and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to give myself some grace. I'm going through a lot right now in my personal life. Mm-hmm. I am going to opt to focus on that and my son and just continue teaching. So I ended up landing a teaching gig um, very close to where I moved and, and the drive was through a state park and it was lovely. Oh, nice. And yeah, it was great. And um, I really rekindled my love for teaching in those subsequent five years. Um, so what I did was I, I told myself, okay, I'm going to apply for teaching jobs again, but here are the things that I noticed that I would need if I was going to transition. So I'm going to focus on trying to gain some of these skills. You know, at the time I didn't know it would be five years, but I was yeah. just like, I'm gonna, in the, you know, however long it is, I'm going to focus on trying to gain these skills. And that's exactly what I did. What were and, the things that you, yeah. needed? what are those things that you? Well, so about? technology was a huge piece um, just because I had worked for, well, the, actually the district that I moved to, um, I went to one I where I started teaching had like pretty robust technology offerings and things like that. And they were really like open to different like ed tech apps and things like that. So I went from that to a school that had none of it. Um, where, I mean, we were doing like paper crafts and things to have, you know, hands-on activities because there was just not, we did, we weren't one-to-one. The internet was like worked and and, yeah. Yeah. So you always had to have another plan. Yeah. It was a big contrast. So but right around that time was when like Canva became kind of big. And so oh, I, I don't know why, but I got it in my head, like, I'm going to learn this. And I did. And I landed some like social media contracting gigs on the side while oh, I was teaching. Cool. Wow. Just certain things like that to kind of just build up a skill set. Um, and I'm just one of those people who can't stay stagnant. Like I need to constantly be learning and evolving. Like it's just how my brain works. So. I I spent so much time doing things like that. Like, for example, when I was on a campus, if they did introduce um, a new tech tool or something like that, I was going to be the one who was going to make myself an expert at it as quickly Mm -hmm. as possible. Um, Like when we started using an LMS, I was the one who was like, I want to learn how to be an system administrator. Like I just Mm -hmm. dove in and would spend lots of time in the summer, like on breaks, weekends, mm-hmm. whatever, just learning things as much as I could, which may or may not have contributed a little bit to my burnout, but, <laughs> but you know, That's it all, that is possible. Hindsight. I mean, it all worked out in the, in the end, but I, I mean, the, so many teachers though, like 
I get asked this all the time by teachers now who reach out to me through LinkedIn. And it's like, how am I supposed to get experience if you have to have experience to do the thing? Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate reality, and please correct me if you know of some other answer, but it just seems like teachers just have to sacrifice their personal time and carve that out to, you know, learning all these other skills. And the sad reality is that we don't have a lot of personal time as it is anyway. Sure. Okay. We were talking to Steven Guerrero and he, he said, you know, he wanted to leave, but then when you're in it, it's harder to leave the longer you're in it. And I think we get to a comfort zone in the classroom, um, especially for those teachers who, you know, teach the same thing over and over again, which is fine. That's for some people. It's, it was, I know it was not for Jen, nor was it for me, but um, it is hard to learn new skills. It is definitely, I mean, Jen and I both, I mean, I'm still in education and Jen isn't, but in the interim of us doing this podcast, we've both really been learning things that we never thought we'd be, be learning. And it's hard and it's difficult and it's stressful. And, um, and sometimes it's, it's discouraging. So I think, I think one of the, the connotations is I'm a teacher. I can do anything. So all my skills are going to be directly translated into the business world, which in some ways it is, but in many ways it's not from my understanding. I'm not in the business world, but from, from all the interviews we've done, that's what we've (laughs) we've taken from it. No, I, I mean, I very much went into it with that, even in 2022, when I felt a little more seasoned and I knew a little more, I still, um, and I share this with transitioning teachers I talk to all the time. I had some pretty unrealistic expectations around things like stress level, salary, <laughs> like different things. Like I just am a little bit prone to magical thinking sometimes. And I just sort of had it in my head. I love that. Yeah. Magical thinking. If, <laughs> if, if I could just make it out of the classroom, like, Suddenly the heavens would open up and everyone would realize my potential <laughs> and I would earn so much more. And I mean, I'm exaggerating a little, but I really did think that, you know, I, I've always been kind of one of those people too, that's seen the world as my oyster. Um, and so I just kind of thought it would be different, <laughs> but I mean, my experience has been very positive, but I, I just, that's one of the things like, and I'm all about, you know, focusing on the brighter side, but toxic positivity is not my jam. Like there's gotta be like what I always say is optimistic with eyes wide open. That's one of my mantras. I say to myself every morning, like I owe it to not only myself, but the people that listen to me on LinkedIn to talk about the stuff that maybe isn't so positive, but in a positive light. So, you know, like acknowledging, you know, this is a really difficult job market right now, acknowledging even, oh my gosh, yes, even if it's not, it's really hard to transition from the classroom to corporate. Like the odds are just extra stacked against people right now, but right now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Kim and I have talked several times and I think we're going to do an episode coming up soon. Like right now, this job market is not the best to try to transition into. So kind of like you did when you went back to teaching for what ended up being five more years. But like if you're if you're miserable right now in your role teaching and you know you don't want to teach much longer, but the job market right now is not really one. I never could have been one who quit and didn't have insurance. Like 
there, there has to, like, I had to go from one role to the next. Um, Same. And what can you do now while you're still teaching? Like, what can you do at school to make your life a little easier? Maybe it's not being the assistant chair coach. Maybe it's saying no to um, other things. Maybe if you're, maybe you switch grade levels. Maybe you switch whatever it is. What can you do in your school life that will make your life a little bit better how can you set some boundaries, uh, respect your contract time a little bit yeah. more? And then what can you be doing with hopefully that found time that you somehow find for yourself to start upskilling yourself so that you will be ready when the job market flips? I'm not so, saying don't look now, but I'm saying yeah. it's hard now. No, it, it, it is like it, it is. <laughs> and, um, So my answer to that would be, be smart about how you upskill and look for those hidden Easter egg opportunities in your everyday job where you can do it. So for me, it was kind of like what I mentioned, like if we, now it was not scaling back at work per se, (laughs) but I knew. Or a different focus. Right. But I knew, like, I knew if I joined the canvas committee or whatever, who got really good at learning that LMS, like, there's no way that skill set would hurt me. Mm -hmm. And so even if it didn't actually, like, even if it wasn't going to help me get into something else outside of teaching, like, it was still like a tangible skill set that I could say that I had, because, you know, companies, whether they're education related or not use an LMS most mm-hmm. at least for like their right. internal training and things like that. So I just, that's kind of what I looked for is I decided mm-hmm. like, how can everyone expects me to do the most at school anyway? So right. can I leverage that into doing things like choosing to spend extra time, but doing things that do help me in my job right now, but ultimately are going to Maybe give mm-hmm. me a leg up later. And so, obviously right. it worked because so one of the things, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you probably know that I'm like, don't focus on ed tech. There's a lot of competition out there. And my friend Lauren here is in ed tech. So obviously that advice is not good for everyone. It It's good for some people, but mm-hmm. It works. I mean, obviously somebody has to get the jobs in ed tech. Yes. So tell us about, I'm obviously the hard work that you did is part of the reason that you were able to get your job in ed tech. So tell us a little bit about, I guess, how you actually transition or when you transitioned and then what you transitioned into. Okay. So one of those, going back for just a second, because it's related. One yeah. of those ways that I decided I was going to upskill was there was um, an authoring tool that a lot of people in my district were starting to use. Um, Not an articulate storyline because what teacher has time to develop things in that? Um, But we use this product called Genially and I really liked it and I got really good at it um, because like I said, I got obsessive with it. I use that a lot. What is it? Genially. It's like Canva, but. It's like Canva, but an authoring tool. So you can build actual courses with it. Mm-hmm. 
but it's plug and play like Canva, if that makes sense. So like, whereas like Articulate Storyline is like building everything from like the ground up. Like to me, I equate it to like um, Canva is to, uh, um, sorry, Adobe, I'm blanking. I know uh, what you're talking about. Illustrator. Canva is to Adobe Illustrator what Genially is to Articulate Storyline. I don't know what Articulate Storyline is, but I use Genially, and I've never known how to pronounce it. Um, (laughs) Genially, but I use it a lot for like newsletters and things because the embedding is so much easier. You can embed videos and all kinds of things in there a lot easier, and it's much more interactive. Right. So I started using it for my actual students in my class, and then I started like to kind of see the different applications of it. And mm-hmm. I leveraged that into some summer jobs, like doing, I did some actual like genially trainings, like through different universities across the U.S. Wow. Um, and so, and so um, back to now your question was um, one of the things that I did that I think gave me a leg up was I made an interactive portfolio um, mm-hmm. and I used genially to do it. Um, and so but I made um, a very interactive portfolio where I showcased things like my curriculum writing ability, um, different presentations that I had delivered and built. Um, I've been published a couple times on different like online blogs for education and things like that. Wow. So I put all of that in there, made it clickable. Nice. Even made this beautiful little like reference page where you had to like, you know, and where you had to like click to reveal their personal information. So it wasn't just like out there, but um, no, and it, it, I mean, I was told by the person who ended up hiring me that that was very impressive. Um, So I, I really think that a lot of it had to do with a lot of those like concrete skills that I gained in like my last couple of years, right before Mm -hmm. Um, right before I transitioned out, I was just constantly on the lookout for like, what can I do in this job to upskill? So I'm not spending all this time trying to upskill at home. Right. That makes for sense. Me, that, that makes a lot the, of sense. That was the huge piece for me. But I, I will say like, that's doesn't, won't necessarily work for everyone. Like there are different dynamics at play that can make that harder. But again, like I was one of those people that was known as like the extra teacher. I was on all the (laughs) committees. I did all the things. So people kind of expected it anyway. So it kind of was like a way where I could people please and get what I needed (laughs) and, you know, and, um, and keep those relationships strong that I'd built with people and help people and bring them along with me, like teach them the skills that I'm learning. So, I mean, it, it really was kind of a, a beautiful time those last couple of years of teaching. I mean, even though it was after COVID, like yeah. there, were so many, there were so many bright spots and so many cool moments and, you know, so many times where I would just like put myself out there, like so-and-so in central admin would like, it would randomly get down to me that they needed something done. And I'd be like, I can do it. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Just different things like that. I, I just, I put myself out there a lot to present because mm-hmm. I thought ultimately that when I left the classroom, I would go into a presentation heavy role, which didn't exactly happen, but it didn't not happen either. I use my presentation skills all the time in my job. Um, 
but I just don't have like a trainer role. So <laughs> I used to always imagine when the trainers would like come to the school and we'd have to go sit during our planning time. I'd be like, I could do this. How do Me I get too. this job? <laughs> Me like, too. And I'll do you one better. I was like the guilty one who would go up to them afterwards and be like, job. <laughs> I want this job. I think I can do it better than you. Job? I mean, How do I get this job? For what they pay people to come to the county, it's insane. But we can't get pencils. Like <laughs> I mean or I or the school purchases like the whole like set of curriculum for something and you're like, "Ooh, I wish you would have talked to us cuz we wouldn't have taken that piece, that piece isn't really necessary. It's like going to sit on our shelves. And then they ask us all to donate for the free luncheon for teacher appreciation. <laughs> so back to your story, <laughs> you found, you transitioned in 2022? In 2022. Yep. Now here's the part where my story gets a lot less relatable. Um, <laughs> because, well, at least to transitioning teachers now, because basically what happened, well, this part's relatable, but um, I had a major like mental health event in November of 2022. And after that, I was just like, I, I got to do something else. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to fulfill my contract, but I have to do something else. Yeah. So, um, I always had it in my head that I was going to fulfill my contract. Um, but I also was really just wanting to kind of initiate the process. So in that Christmas break of that year, I ended up like revamping my resume and doing the things, um, to kind of like start figuring out mm -hmm. like what even goes in a portfolio. Um, like I knew I wanted to use Genially to make it, but I didn't really know what, what you were putting in it. it. Right. So I did. So luckily in 2022, there were a lot more resources by then. So I did, um, I did look into certain things like Daphne Gomez. I looked at a lot of mm -hmm. her stuff, which was awesome. And so I kind of started to like piece together how I could do that. Mm -hmm started building that in January. And by January, I was like full on applying for stuff. Um, and which I don't necessarily recommend if you don't want to break your contract. Um, but I had heard stories and again, it was a different job market, but I had heard stories back then about how there are companies that will wait for you if mm -hmm. you're the right fit. Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, it's kind of a unicorn situation. I, I realize I'm very privileged, but that's actually what happened. So Good for you. That's I, great. Thank you. I, I, so I started looking like for real looking in January. Um, I applied to the job that I ended up getting. I'll never forget on February 2nd, 2022, um, <laughs> monumental day. Didn't know it was going to change my life, but it did. And then, um, it was a pretty rigorous application process. Like there were a lot mm -hmm. of steps. There were multiple interviews. I had to um, design things and submit oh, them. I had homework. But wait, did you have to do work for free? I did. So people, I mean, so Kim, you may not know that on LinkedIn, a lot of times people are like, I'm not doing any projects as part of an application process. Oh. It's kind of like people will also say, I won't do a video interview, like a, not like this video, not like Zoom video, but like a one way video interview where yeah. you like talk into your phone and explain like why you'd be a good fit or answer questions. I had to do that too. So people like will hard stop, be like, I'm not doing that. I'm worth so much more. And I'm like, oh my God, sometimes you have to jump through hoops. Yeah, that's weird if you want to get and, out. And if a company... If a company has this process in place, um, 
And maybe I'm a little tiny bit biased because one of the pieces of my company's platform that they sell is one-way video interviewing. (laughs) But like, if that is what they're doing so that their recruiters can handle the workload is if they can screen video interviews, like, why would you take yourself out of the running? Like, if you had said, I'm not going to do a project and work for free, they would have said, okay, we're sorry to hear that. Next. Yeah. They wouldn't have been like, oh... Lauren is fantastic, even though you are, and we don't want her to work for free. So either we're going to pay her or we're just going to, I mean, that's not how it works. And I wish people realized that sometimes you have to jump through hoops. I'm sorry. I just totally said. No, no, it's okay. I have a sort of unpopular opinion about that because I actually liked that they asked me to do that. Um, And for a couple reasons, one, it, it. I don't want to say force it, it, well, but it did. I mean, I had to like dive into the mm-hmm. company um, and learn a bunch about them yeah, really okay. quickly to be able to produce the things they were asking me for. Um, and I learned a lot out of that process. Um, it was very helpful for me. And because I learned like what they were looking for and I was like, okay, so this is what people in this yeah. job really do. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand where people who say that kind of thing are coming from. And I do have mixed feelings about it because it is it does feel a little bit icky when you just say it to like ask somebody to do something for free. Yeah. But the flip side of that is that it really gives you a good insight into what your job might look like. Yeah. And right. And honestly, like I was grateful for that. And then the other thing was, is I pride myself on my creativity. It's one of my core values. And I wanted and welcomed the opportunity to get to showcase that. Yeah, so, I can see that. I, I totally wouldn't have a problem with doing something doing like a that. project. Like, let me knock your socks off. Mm-hmm. Hold and, on. Yeah. And honestly, I was, I was asked to do kind of a lot. I had to design one deliverable and I had to do three social media posts. Um, and so, or three different, three different types. Actually, I don't remember if it was three different types. That may have been a me thing where I was like, I'm going to do three different types, (laughs) but, but that's, um, that's what I did. I did it like a static one and then like a animated one and then a full on video. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, because they all have their different, uh, places for, the various content you're trying to put out there. Right. And I just thought like, this gives me a chance to do it big and show what I can really do far more than even a portfolio and certainly a resume can communicate. So I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I totally So what understand. is your job? Like, what what is it that you do? Like when, when you guys have a language that like teachers have together, so I'm trying to envision, it's kind of like when I was young and I had no idea what my dad did, but he sold stuff. Like, I just, like, what is it that you, your job looks like? Well, so the job I transitioned into, um, I, I ended up working for PBIS Rewards. Um, and so that was the job that I got out of the classroom. They are a fabulous and amazing product company, all the things they waited for me. Um, I mean, they really, it changed my life. Like, So it's I, connected to PBIS. Yeah. So I ended up, I ended up working for them. And then about, I was in my job for maybe like 
six or seven months, not even a full year when it was announced that they were going to be acquired by Navigate 360, which is who I work for now. Okay. Um, so most of the people that worked for uh, PBIS Rewards, most people's day-to-day was pretty much the same, even when we transitioned over because they were still working on that particular product. Um, in my personal case, that wasn't so. Um, pretty much everything changed. Who yeah. I reported to, my job title, different things like that, um, and then my day-to-day work. So what I was doing there was more um, educator-facing. So it was I was designing courses. I was writing and building courses um, to teach educators how to use our platform and also just educating them on the foundations of PBIS because PBIS Rewards was so huge on that. There, you know, that like that is really what we're trying to help people do is like actually make the lives of students better. And I just, I love that so much. And they're so passionate about building relationships and that's what drew me to them. And so that was what I would do. And I would pitch it with training and I would do some webinars and like virtual trainings. And I did get to do one in-person training as well um, for teachers. And and that was super fun. And I just, yeah, I can see that. I was just laughing because I just scrolled down on my phone to see because we use, and I wasn't 100% sure, but at the last school I taught at, we used PBIS rewards and I had the app on my phone still. It's got good brand recognition. I got to say, but, yeah. um, but yeah, so, um, now I am a curriculum developer for Navigate 360. So now what I do is very different because I am more on the student facing side, like with PBIS, there really wasn't, I mean, obviously like the app and platform itself was student facing, but we did not like market to kids or write training materials or anything like that for kids. It was really all for educators. So Mm -hmm. that was really the biggest difference in my role now is that I help develop the curricular frameworks for, um, for curricula like SEL, mental health, behavior intervention, things like that. Um, and so I helped develop those frameworks with my work, um, my work partner, <laughs> Bridget, she's the best. And, um, and so we, we developed that and then we write the lessons, we collaborate with SMEs, um, subject matter experts uh, across the country to, especially on like some of our heavier topics. And mm-hmm. so we, we work with them and it, that has been really cool. Um, to get to meet some just really incredible mental health professionals. Yeah, um, I would I would say that would country. be amazing. Yeah, it's been really great. Um, and so I get to, I do that. And then I, because I have a flair for social media, um, I get to help run like some of our, uh, like our customer facing uh, group. So like the, like for existing customers where we, I get help to, I get to help design like free resources and different things to kind of just kind of get them making them more aware of what is in the products they already bought and what additional products mm. we have and how that can look in their classroom. And so, and I do a ton of like in-house webinars where I educate um, people within our company on the products that I help write. And um, then I also do some customer facing webinars where I talk to prospective customers about um, 
our different curricular products and things like that. So wow. I wear a lot of hats. It sounds oh, like I'm you bilingual. do. I'm bilingual, so I'm like our unofficial like Spanish copy editor. Yeah, that's our, awesome. Our real copy editor in English has taught me a lot of things, um, which has been very helpful. So, I mean, I've just, I've gotten to grow exponentially and learn so many things and it's just been a wild ride, but it's been, you know, it's been great. Yeah. So what advice would you have for somebody out there right now who's thinking about transitioning in this job market? Because I feel, so I feel really bad. I had the easiest job transition ever. Like you did, you did, you did. I had one interview. I got the job. Like, it, I mean, that was pretty much me too. I, I, yeah. I had applied for the really the other jobs I was applying for back in 2022 were in the world languages realm, like to be a world languages coordinator or facilitator or instructional coach for a district. Um, but that one role, it just like it just spoke to me. It was like singing mm-hmm. to me. And I was like, I got to apply for this. And I did. And honestly, I don't remember applying for many other EdTech roles. Um, and that was the one. And I had some of those interviews for the types of positions I just spoke about. And I ended up, I got my offer letter and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go for it. And I signed the offer letter and I canceled the upcoming interviews and I just dove in and it was very scary. Um, I was very excited, but it was scary. But, uh, but what I would suggest people do what I always tell the people that I talk to on LinkedIn is the first thing you have to like, don't rush it. Like that is the biggest thing I tell people because your instinct is like, ah, I need to escape this situation. But the yes. brilliant and amazing Amanda Hall on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So if none of y'all follow her, follow her. Um, she says, I've heard her say that, what well, heard, I've seen it on LinkedIn a few times where she says, don't run away from something, run towards something. And yeah. to me, that's the best advice. Like, and it's really hard when you're a teacher and you feel like you're, you know, some people are in toxic situation. Some people aren't, but whether you are, or you aren't like experiencing toxicity in your relationships at your job, like being a teacher is just so overwhelming. And there is a lot of emotional burden attached to that. And it's exhausting. It's so rewarding. It's the best, it's truly, I'm always going to say it's the best job ever. Um, like from a heart spot, but from Mm -hmm. all the actual technical metrics of what a good job is not as much but I mean it's just I I love it so much I love education so much and I knew that I wanted to stay attached to that but um I did not want to rush it I wanted to I wanted to take my time and it sounds like I rushed it because I thought I started in December but but no, but you spent five years getting ready for I did that I had been thinking about it and you know, kind of, it was always in the back, in the back of my mind. But I think what I usually say is the first, the best thing you can do is take a week and just journal your brains out, write All of the things that you adore about teaching, Mm -hmm. right. All of the things that you cannot stand and never want to do again. Yeah. And then what I did, I mean, I have, I'm a list fan. So I just had lists and lists and lists. My lists had lists of all the different things that I wanted 
to be able to continue to do in -hmm. another role outside of teaching. And what I did was I, I would put all that on there. I'd sit with it. I'd come back to it. I'd add things to it, take things away, whatever. And I just systematically identified, like I, I, I narrowed it down to, okay, like what are three to five things that like, I will feel not fulfilled Mm-hmm. As a human being in my job, and job fulfillment is very important to me. Um, and it's not to some people, and that's cool too, but to me it is. And so I was like, what are the things I have to be able to do to feel like I'm making a difference, to feel like I'm valued in an organization or whatever? So those were, I got those things narrowed down. Like, for example, I knew I wanted to be able to use my Spanish. Was that in either of the job yeah. descriptions? No. Do I use it? <laughs> You bet your boots, I knew. Yes. I knew that I wanted to be able to interact and work with teachers. That's not the main thing I do, but I get to do that. And so that, like, you know, in small doses and and, and it scratches that itch. So those, those were a couple of examples of things that were like, I will be miserable if I can't do these things. Um, And I encourage people, like, try to whittle it down as much as you can. Um. You know, for me, I think I landed on like four. Um, yeah. But, but like, keep it small. And then, and then what I did was when I was looking for roles, made more lists. And <laughs> I, I looked at like, okay, it looks like I would be able to use this type of skill on my like, li- my short list of skills mm-hmm. that I have to be able to use. Sure. Like, I could use this here. And pretty much my rule of thumb was, um, I take that back. I think I did have five because I think what I remember my rule of thumb being I I had to see evidence or it had to be obvious to me that at least three of those skills could be directly utilized. So like my Spanish was almost always like an indirect, like right. I figured I'd get in there and they'd find out I spoke Spanish and then boom, I would figure out a way to, yeah, to, to utilize that. that. Right. But I will say one thing that I also did was so for the job that I ended up getting that I applied to I remember saying in the interview you know I they asked me why I wanted the job and I said well because it it hits my things that I need to <laughs> like these are the things that I need and that's fabulous the job description said but the one thing it didn't hit on was Spanish and I remember saying you know it's really important to me that I be able to utilize my bilingualism and multiculturalism how do you foresee me being able to use that in this role? And they were like, oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I bet they were. So, I mean, like, it just, it's helpful to advocate for yourself in job interviews when mm-hmm. you get them. I mean, like, it's it's a, it's not only okay to do, but it's impressive to people when you do that. Like, if teachers can- are not typically used to touting themselves and and giving information about themselves so that's something definitely um we talked about interview skills and things like that so um, i i guess you are making more as a teacher we're not asking how much but i can can we assume you the salary was more now than you Mm -hmm. did yeah good (laughs) because that is a that is a factor for many people and and sometimes it's not they just want to get out better work-life balance yes much much so yeah much more so um, yeah, I mean, and that was one of those years, like, what I, when I was talking about kind of unrealistic expectations, I really did think I was going to earn tens of thousands of dollars more. And that's not my reality. Um, 
but that's okay. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, for now, like I'm, I'm, I'm still relatively new to the corporate space. I'm learning skills. I'm diversifying myself even still. So, you know, like that'll come. I was, yeah. yes. what I, what I needed immediately, even more than money um, <laughs> back then was I needed my mental health back. I needed my family back. Like I, I was yeah. just not spending yeah. time with them that they needed and wanted from me. And, um, you know, I just, I had something had to give. So that was one of the things that was, I mean, that was my, by far my biggest focus. And that's what I would tell myself. I'm not running away from what's going on in school. I'm, even though there were some factors that would have made most people want to run away too. Um, <laughs> I'm and sure. I was justified for not wanting to do those things anymore. But I really tried to frame it as, but what's my goal? Because like, like, what am I running towards? I'm running towards I mean, yeah, more money would be great. But what I was really running towards was not having a large amount of guilt associated with my job, mm. um, not having to carry a large emotional burden at my job, um, things like that. Like I, I mm-hmm. needed some mental and emotional wiggle room in my brain because I felt like I was just at max capacity all the time. Um, yes, I think as teachers, we're usually at max capacity all the time and, and hit the ground sprinting. I use that phrase with two teachers today because they've been hit the ground sprinting. I love, I loved the, the advice that you gave and, and hearing your story so much. I do too. Where can people find you? Well, obviously they can find you on LinkedIn, Lauren Greener, right? Is there anywhere else that they should seek you out? Well, I have been dabbling with the idea of re like becoming active on TikTok again. So um we I can go ahead and say that I'm a former underscore teacher. I don't know how I landed former teacher as a handle on TikTok. No, <laughs> that's great though. Accident. Um so I am former teacher on TikTok. Um I have not posted anything in a while. Um but, but now that I, you've said it you have to so yep and yeah. that's kind of why I did to put pressure on myself. <laughs> but but I um yeah, I, I got really active on TikTok when I left. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I There are some videos that I might take down because I I was working through, I was using TikTok to work through some of my stuff. And I I am not an angry person, but I had some feelings, you know. Okay, yeah, I do. I just I and so I, um, I did that for a little while and I kind of started to find my voice a little bit more there, but it just felt like a lot of work. Right. Um, but I think I think a- I, I just followed you. I'm inked educator. Um, I think one of the things with with social media is that it's okay to be real. Um, totally. I yeah. just I feel like there were times when I maybe came off a little more negative than realistic. But I mean, that's part of my journey. So whatever. Yeah, it's <laughs> it authentic. Happens. It's authentic. It's, but yeah. um, but I um I. I don't know. I think it's because I love to write so much. LinkedIn just kind of felt like it would be a little bit easier for me mm-hmm. to find it's my voice. Fit. And I, I certainly found it much faster on LinkedIn than I did on TikTok. But I also think now that I, you know, have found ways to grow on LinkedIn um, and really make such like, I just feel so privileged and lucky to be part of such an amazing, vibrant community of 
current, former educators, people adjacent to education and just other professionals in general. Like it's my experience on LinkedIn has been just incredibly positive yeah. and so helpful and encouraging. So yeah, I've been kind of thinking like it might be time to take that step into going back to TikTok and maybe do it and doing both. I'm not going to leave LinkedIn. LinkedIn's yeah, my first. There you go. Yeah, that's your jam. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And we hope everyone it. stays twisted.